What's going on? I'm sure you people are not tired of seeing my face at all after last night. But welcome back to the Poor Pearls Almanac Twitch channel. Also brought to you by Facebook, YouTube, Twitter for some reason, and I don't know who else. But uh, thanks for joining us. We've got a good audience popping in, so I'm pretty psych excited about that. So obviously, we've been talking about like all these different types of skills that we should have. Uh, and we focus primarily on like actual hands-on like skills you can use today in terms of like being able to knit something or fix something or um, grow something. And those are all really important. But also, we should be thinking about some of the bigger picture skills that uh, everyone should have, not necessarily because you're going to use them every day, but there may be a point where you need to use them. Um, and it, it's much more serious than whether or not you can grow mushrooms out of an old straw bale or whatever. Um, so today we've got a very special guest, somebody that we've known for a very long time. Uh, you guys may or may not follow them on Instagram. And if you don't, you should, because they're fantastic. They also do a lot of really great work in uh, creating audiobooks and things like that. So if you're not supporting or following or anything with Listen Left, you're failing. So go do that. So I'm going to introduce them. I'm not sure. Uh, I should have asked before what she wanted me to call her. Um, but welcome. Welcome, Listen Left. Hi, I'm Liz. I'm one half of Listen Left officially. But yeah. It's Liz and Left, I believe, then. It well, it's, I mean, it should be if, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so first off, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I'm super happy thanks to hear, have you here. Uh, this is something that I know literally nothing about. So I'm going to be like your doe-eyed student who asks all of the, the stupid questions. So no, I will do that do. for all of the audience so that you guys don't have to. I think, yeah, that's preferable. <laughs> for me i want to do that the other way ah there we go uh so, so now um i guess i want to ask a little bit of like how where did you get this information and kind why of, do i know this why why do you know this and also like kind of uh, within a context of history like how has this knowledge been known sure oh well that those are two very important um things first how i know, came to do it is that I um, I actually had my first baby when I was 16 and I dropped out of high school and I was like kind of not sure what to do. And I started um, doing doula work when I was young, I was like 17. And I started doing that voluntarily to learn and that led me to meeting a midwife. And I worked with her um, in doing home births in and around um, central PA. So like a lot of Amish um, clients, a lot of like academics, and then a lot of really rural um, people in the mountains. Um, and I did that for about three or four years. Um, and then um, have been doing like nonprofit and academia stuff since, but studying kind of the, inequities around birth and motherhood and parenthood in the country and things like that awesome. access to midwifery care yeah uh it's it's very uh interesting that we i don't the whole the whole ecosystem around birth is just like very interesting uh in the way it's been 
structured based on our, our modern understanding of uh, like our relationship with our bodies. Uh, so, I, <laughs> so I want to ask, um, like, you know, I think midwifery and uh, like all the skills that you brought up, we have like a, a very skewed understanding of what those things are um, mm-hmm. and kind of like where their place is in like modern medicine. Um, I, I find it we, we or at least in my own experiences, when I think of midwives, I usually think of like hippies. And, right. um, and like, that's, I guess, mm-hmm. probably partly accurate, but also I'm sure there's like a lot more to it. A lot of context. There is, and it's funny, that's part of what like my research focused on when I was doing that, particularly in school, um, in the year, like, um, and it was, and it was something that made me uncomfortable when I was practicing and it midwifery is kind of considered now like the rich white woman's sport. Um, (laughs) and that's because to do it, um, you have to apprentice and it's typically unpaid. Oftentimes, you know, um, there's a national licensure, even though not all states, um, recognize it. And so in some states to practice midwifery without a license is a felony. In some states, it's the legal gray. Like it, I don't know, whatever. There's a national licensure and you need a certain number of births, a certain number of um, prenatal visits and a certain number of postpartum visits. And there are a lot of um, people who apprentice who will go down um, to Texas and go to some birth centers there that kind of use um like a an immigrant population um and without like knowing a lot about their history maybe not even speaking their languages and just to get their numbers i don't know there's a lot about it now that it's been commodified and then the people who can usually access home birth which tends to be safer than hospitals for a lot of reasons um are also usually wealthier white women um who may be kind of hippies and that's the thing when birth in the u.s shifted to hospitals which really didn't happen for most of the country until um like post-world war ii um and it um you know but a lot of like granny midwives were who were still practicing were black and were southern or indigenous and so some of the hippie women learned from them and kind of the hippie white women and started a midwifery resurgence that became kind of more fringe if that makes sense but traditionally you know midwives are more full spectrum healers yeah, um, I, I, it, that was a lot. Yeah. No, it's it's really interesting. I don't because, like I said, I literally don't know anything about this, so this is all new to me, and my yeah. brain's like running in like ten different directions. Uh, and I like think about like my my dad was born in his house or the house he grew up in in Italy, and like that was like the norm. And I remember last, uh, when I was there, um, the first time at least, uh, my my dad's uncle was like, Oh, your dad was born over in this house. And it's like this like house that's like built into a hill. And I'm like, right. he, he was born in there. Like it doesn't have windows. <laughs> and like, yeah, right. it's just like, it's, it's, we're so like, because of the, the modern industrialization or commodification of like medicine. Um, we assume that like, you have to be in this like very, uh, 
like pure and clean environment or there's just like all of this Cheryl. risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, you're totally right. And, and I love how you brought up earlier about how disconnected it makes us from our bodies. Like it, it, um, or how disconnected we've become. And I think birth is probably one of the birth and things like abortion, miscarriage, um, anything like that. They, they have become some of the ones that we disconnect ourselves from the most. And I don't know, it's such like a physiological process, an emotional process for a lot of, I mean, really most of the world, it's been a sacred process. It's been a lot of things. And um, we like, we literally like numb ourselves from it. And um, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's, I don't know. It's, it's changing how we kind of function because it's, meh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It, we have changed how we relate to one our, ourselves and one another and our, our own autonomy over our bodies in a lot of right. ways. Like we, we don't have the authority. And I mean, I guess I'm a guy, so I, I also don't have any authority in that sense, but like for women to have lost the, you know, not just through like uh, abortion restrictions and things like that to have lost those rights over that bodily autonomy, but also to have any really authority unless you're a rich white woman um, on what your birth looks like and the relationship you want to have with that process. No, exactly. And it's, I mean, I think that's the thing too, is that I saw someone said something like a lot of people who are giving birth say drug me up. Um, but I think that's the thing that we, I'm, I'm, st I'm actually in school now to be like a couples and, um, sex therapist, which was such a part of midwifery and vice versa. Unfortunately, like part of why I had to stop was because I couldn't, I couldn't afford to not get paid while I was training. I didn't have people to watch my children. Like it was, I was, you know, which I goes back it. to that whole like, hippie thing. I mean, I would do free doula work then for friends for years, but it just, you know, it, but anyway. Um, and I think I forgot what I was saying. Oh, but you know, the other thing about being in hospitals and being so disconnected from our bodies and something that we forget is like, there's a dysphoric aspect of it. A lot of us have experienced sexual abuse. And so it's like, we, we live with so much trauma as it is and birth. And I've seen it happen is like, can be incredibly healing and transformative for people. Um, and healing it also has the possibility to do, you know, more or even new damage when you're, you know, I don't know, being subjected to things without your consent, which happens a lot in hospitals. Um, you know, there's such a spectrum of treatment. If you're on state insurance, if you're not white, if you're poor, if they suspect you to be a drug user, which, you know, with any of those things, you know, they just, it does. Yeah. There's a lot that's removed. Yeah. And uh, I guess to circle back to this conversation about emergency uh, abortion and birth care, um, you know, when we, when we talk about like building skills to be prepared for the fact that like clearly the state is swinging in a very specific 
direction, um, whether or not Biden re is reelected, which I am very doubtful of. Like, oh. I, I I think that uh, the future, the, the recent present we've had is not going to exist for much longer in terms of access. And as exactly. things like our healthcare system, which is obviously like falling apart under COVID, uh, quickly, if, if it yeah. ever recovers, that may be decades from now. Um, and that's a that's a big if just based on like the statistics of nurses that have died, CNAs that have died, maternity uh, wards closing it. down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so like I feel like this skill is like much more pertinent than people want to give it like credit for in the sense of like, again, me as a, a white guy, like, why do I need to know about birth care and like abortion care? Like, that's not my body. But also, it absolutely is my responsibility to have those skills and knowledges. Because of the fact that like, we are in on the precipice of something really big. Uh, and, and I think this is something that is, we, we all talk about like women's rights and blah, blah, blah. But like, what are we doing to like, ensure those rights, whether or not the state gives us authority to do that? Right. No, well, you're so right. I mean, that's the thing. I think <laughs> I feel like I could have like a thousand discussions on how we conceptualize choice and and bodily autonomy around um, full spectrum reproductive rights in general. And that's like its own thing, because I think I think even the left can view it through a lens that isn't as nuanced as it should be. Um, but anyway, um, you're right. And the other thing we're seeing it now, a lot of maternity wards are closing down. A lot of people in rural areas, you know, already sometimes would have to travel pretty far. You can give birth in a car. Um, you can, with all the climate disasters, like you might not be able to get to a hospital, even if you're planning to seek this kind of care. I think that it's pretty clear that like maternity um, care in this country is is one of the worst and has been for a really long time. Um, it's pretty dangerous to have a baby in this country. Um, we have infinite maternal mortality rates that are up there with countries that we've um, devastated ourselves like Afghanistan stuff like that um and it's I, I don't know I yeah I think I know this is a little bit of a niche skill but it's also something that probably and maybe even hopefully for the better more of us will be needing to use so I mean statistically speaking more people will need to know how to have a baby than to like shoot a gun like there's what? far fewer instances of a uh, statistical or people that have like murdered somebody than like in self-defense than like have had that to is, deliver a baby. So like, I, so like as much as it's like, Oh, this is this niche thing. Like as long as humanity exists, half of the population or like 40% of the population will need to know, <laughs> be able, will be doing this thing that we need to have the skills to support them during. No, I know. It's funny. I think about all the time, especially the more I listen to you guys, like I'm at the point of just like, I don't know, going fully off the grid uh, forever, <laughs> never to be heard from again. But like, I, you know, I'm in school doing for therapy and I, it is so important right now, but it's also like, should I just go back to being a midwife? Like we would exactly like you said, if there's anything guaranteed and if there's honestly anything we can hope for, which is, 
another thing I think the left kind of excludes parents and kids more than they should. But anyway, if there's one thing we should hope for is that we are continuing to put forth life. And I, I swear I say that in like the least, I don't know, puritanical or conservative kind of way possible. But it is it's like well, what if we're are yeah, we? what are we building this all for if we're not going to right. continue humanity? Exactly. What well, yeah, why else why else would we want to survive? Why else would we want something better? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think the whole conversation around this subject is really important and interesting. And I think, uh, like you said, the left sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes, uh, swings very hard the pendulum in terms of like, okay, since I don't feel comfortable with it, I'm just going to like say the most aggressively like pro blank, 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 without like talking about the fact that, well, they're these conversations are complicated and that's okay. Like life is complicated. That, that's so how complicated. it works. So complicated. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. yeah so uh, I think that kind of frames up what, what uh, we're going to talk about a little bit. Totally. Um, so maybe I, I guess I'm going to put to you so that you can uh, start talking about stuff because I don't know anything and I'll just ask you questions as you go. Okay. So you know, when it's, I've been told uh, lovingly that I have a very like zombie movie uh, view of collapse. So I'm, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to frame like emergency birth without like giving either way too much or way too little information. But I will give a shot. I got, I, I've got, a, I've had a scenario playing in my head as we've had this conversation. Okay. But thank you. <laughs> Perfect. So like, so all right. Um, so like, when like um, like the floods hit Houston during um, the last huge storm that went through, or like any of the me uh, recent like events, um, the Ida, when, yeah, mm -hmm. when Texas got hit with uh, that freeze that stopped the windmills, like people are still delivering babies every day. So how are they doing that? Right. So how are we doing this so um do you want me to describe labor or just birth like should we talk about what to expect what to expect when you're expecting when you're uh, when you're expecting <laughs> to give birth in, in when a disaster you're, when you're expecting collapse <laughs> right. um, so you know <laughs> there are three there well there are like four stages of birth the first stage is like um kind of like early labor so and I for yeah ask a lot of questions because I in my mind still in my world it's like everyone knows what a cervix does everyone knows and that's just not that's like I, I know it exists I you know yeah. that there could there's be a there's a part of a body right? that women have that's called the cervix and like right well okay so in labor it is the what the body does is it produces um uterine contractions uh the uterus is where the baby is and uh um, that one <laughs> okay oh good um and these strong powerful muscular contractions um dilate thin and soften the cervix which goes from something that like it goes from being like as open as maybe like less than a fingertip to the size of like a bagel, if you can think about. So 10 centimeters, that gets the baby out. Um, and labor, usually if it's a first baby, um, it can take 
a long time. Second babies can go fast. Third babies are unpredictable. And then it just goes from there. So it's like, sometimes labor can take a really long time. And it's important to know that like, we've been doing this for a, like as long as we've been standing upright. Um, it's, it, it is a painful process. Um, but it's also, it is safe. Like you said about how much we sterilize everything. Like we, and we sensationalize birth, especially so much, but it's like, this is, usually all you need to do if you're assisting someone who's giving birth is to like sit and watch or like love them if they need that. Um, and so, yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah. And then, then the, um, but yeah, the first part of labor, you're going from uh, one to five centimeters and it's usually not as painful. You can talk through the contractions um, you can still walk through them and do all of that. And then from five to 10, that's active labor. That's when it gets, um, harder and that like it can be more difficult. Um, you might vomit, shake, um, believe that you can't do this anymore, but then you can, um, I don't have an option. Don't, right. No, it's true. There's only one way it can go. And then there's um, the third stage, which is pushing. And that's usually where people get the most nervous. It's the most sensationalized. When I did midwifery and I was doing home birth, people who really weren't familiar with it at all, they always ask like, like, what if the cord is around the baby's neck? They always think that that is the biggest and the worst thing that can happen, but really it's not, it's like a pretty simple solution. And I don't know how far into it you want me to explain or if you have questions at this point, like if you want me to. I think you're doing great. Okay. So with the second stage, um, or excuse me, the third stage with pushing that can also sometimes take a long time. Um, just because the baby's like moving through your body, you need to like open up, you need to relax and, and push it's, it's hard work, but anyway, like choking down a bagel pretty much, but the other way, instead coming, the, going down, it's going exactly. Out. Are you, you're sure you haven't done this before? Cause that is, that's like, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it's like. Um, but anyway, so, but with pushing, um, you know, the baby's head will start to come out. Um, you'll want to sometimes apply a little bit of counter pressure to the perineum. I kind of wish I had diagrams. I feel bad. I have like midwifery texts and they're not around. Anyway, um, right. yeah, you might need to put like a little counter pressure around. Um and then once the head's out, um, the baby will kind of start to turn. But this is where, you know, you do, you want to go in and check the folds like around the vulva and into the vagina where the baby's um, neck is and just feel um, to see if there's a cord. If there is one, you'll try to slip it over their head. Um, and usually, and then, you know, the the birthing person can um 
push the rest of the way. Sometimes you might need to clamp it early. And I'll, I guess it makes sense to talk about like what supplies, like if you know that you're pregnant, if you know that you either like can't get to a hospital or that's a possibility, or, um, I don't know, you don't, you're not planning a home birth. I don't know. You might do this a lot. I can talk about supplies after like at the end of the description. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you might need to clamp it if the cord is too tight because you can't, the baby's not going to be able to come out that way. Um, you typically, you want to make sure that the baby isn't taking too long. Like there isn't too much time between when their head is born and their shoulders. Usually typically what will happen is they'll kind of like the head will come out. There might be a little break and contractions and they'll like corkscrew out. Um, sometimes though they can get a little stuck. And if that happens, you'll want, um, but well, the good thing about being at home and like not in a hospital, I mean, there are lots of good things about it, but you can move pretty freely. So one, um, one trick for a baby that seems to be a little stuck is to flip the person onto their hands and knees. Um, and that will like open the pelvis and they can, the baby will, should be able to come out. Um, yeah, but anyway, once the baby is out, you just want to get them up and put them right on, um, their parents' chest, uh, cover them with a towel. I mean, thinking about, you brought up the Houston storms. You do want to keep things warm. If you have power or fire or some kind of way to like warm blankets, keep, the baby warm. Um, that's important. Skin to skin is really important. So you don't need to worry about like, I don't know if you're in a car, if you're at home, wherever, like, like it's very important for the baby to be on their, um, the person who had them stressed. So like it, they don't, you don't need to do much once the baby's out and they will come out. They usually look kind of like gray and floppy and stunned and that's okay. You'll just like rub them, talk to them. They know your voice. Um, they, you know, that should get them going. Um, I think we all should know rescue breathing techniques. Um, anyway, but definitely again, if you, or like someone, you know, like, um, if you're, if you're pregnant or someone, you know, is pregnant and expecting, um, that would be something you'd want to start preparing for like rescue breathing techniques, things like that. Maybe even looking at like diagrams, they're good, like cheap emergency birth, um, pamphlets. There are good old, like, uh, anarchist midwifery zines that were like really pivotal for me when I was training, um, so like looking and seeing what this could be like um, for you and being prepared as much as you can is important. But really, once the baby's out, it should be um, it should be OK. They they're going again, like I said, they're slippery and they might not look as alive, <laughs> um, but they'll you know, that's normal. They're being born is really hard. Um, then there's the fourth stage. And this is where things where really like 
the most complications can happen. And that's the delivery of the placenta. And the, when the baby's born, like you don't need to cut their cord right away. You can wait. You don't need to worry about that. It's best to just, if, unless it's like an emergency where you do have to do rescue breathing or something, um, they really should just be up on um, someone's chest. Um, but anyway, but the placenta, so usually that um, is born about within an hour after birth. Um, you'll kind of want to monitor and the bleeding because the biggest um, risk with both like abortion and oh, a miscarriage birth is hemorrhaging. And this is the stage where it tends to happen the most and hemorrhages happen really really fast and they um can be i don't know they just can go downhill so quickly um yeah yeah so um i think like when we're talking about like the the birthing process uh we understand or i understand at this point like okay you get get the baby out and then they're they're pretty good um now in terms of like I guess like the most common complications. Uh, I know you mm -hmm. talked about like, the cord. Is that like usually the most common complication that like is easily remedied? No, it's it's not that common, but I think it is easily remedied. I think that's something people think is like this the worst thing that could happen, and it's not for the most part. No, it's the hemorrhaging. I would say is even with that, like normal births ones that like, yeah, no, it's, and that's the thing you can't, a lot of conditions in pregnancy. And this is something that's difficult because I feel like, well, and I know, you know, you're, you talk about this. We've, we're a lot less healthy now. And so, you know, a lot of us have, um, issues with blood pressure, um, diabetes, things like that in pregnancy. And those, um, you know, those you see coming, but things like hemorrhages, you, you don't, you, um, yeah, it, you can't really predict if it will happen. There's some situations where they might be more likely. One is a precipitous birth. And that's when a birth goes like really, really fast. Um, typically that's considered like start to finish less than, um, like two to four hours just very, very quick, or a shoulder dystocia. And that's where the baby's shoulders get stuck. Usually babies like that, they get stuck on the um, pelvic bone. Um, but, and usually they tend to be bigger babies and that can, it makes the uterus like not be able to contract enough to get the placenta out. And then it just keeps like bleeding needlessly. But anyway, so there's some, but for the most part, yeah, you can't see that coming. And it's not always the easiest thing to manage at home um, without um, being like having some kind of skill. But there are things that you can do um, to try to prepare and to, you know, um, it, I don't know, at least be able to alleviate the situation because it's not something like wound care where you can pack it really like a uterus you have to you know it's in your body it's in it's your body yeah it's a muscle and it's yeah. yeah so yeah okay um so i guess let's um 
move the conversation over to the other side of this, which is the uh, emergency abortion uh -huh. care. So I, I want to say first, like I have always gotten so many questions about herbal abortions and the tradition of everything that I was taught in was not one that encouraged it. And it, it put a lot of fear about them. Um, and so I can't speak on that. I think that there are a lot of like indigenous sources and maybe other good sources because we have used that kind of care for like the majority of our existence, but I'm not, I, yeah, I guess sure, I don't no, know. I, I, I wasn't thinking about um, like how to do it, but oh, like so. a DIY. Okay. No. Uh, about what to prepare for. Yeah. Like what, what you should be being aware of and things like that. Sure. I mean, that's the thing. I took some note because I feel like there are, because for both birth and abortion, but I think abortion especially, and especially with the left, I think we, when we think about it, we think that to defend it as a right, we have to kind of um, like sanitize it to the point that it is not something that is often a really complicated and difficult thing to do. Um, and that it can also, that it's not easy. Like the pills that are available, it's, it's two that you take, um, at once, but anyway, um, it is, it's a painful process. It's a visceral process. Um, and you will have to see the, the, um, products of conception. Like you'll have to see the tissue, um, and there's a lot of aftercare involved. And I think that's not discussed as much as it should be in an attempt to kind of make it, um, to defend it. But it's like, I think the ways that we can downplay that, or even like the pain of birth, um, we kind of want to remove ourselves from the reality of it. And it doesn't allow us to then kind of be fully prepared for what an enormous experience these things can be. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I think part of that uh, speaks to like the, what you're saying is almost like a binary between like, well, if the right is going to paint like a, mm -hmm. a 10, a 10 week uh, pregnancy as like basically like a feed, like a baby, uh, our response is that it's like, it's so small. It's, you know, it's, it's basically nothing. And right. like, it doesn't have to be either or like we can no. acknowledge that there's like no. a space in between because it is a thing that's in our body that, uh, you know, again, like you said, it's, we've been doing this for thousands of years and like, we can, we can engage in that conversation without it, like in any way, uh, reducing our position on it. I know. I know. But I, can we? I hope we can. I mean, I think we. Some of us can, yeah. Some of us can. I know you're absolutely right, and and I think yeah, we we have to. I think we have to exist more in the nuance of virtually anything, but definitely when it comes to yeah, the bodily autonomy and even just the like bodily connection, what community and solidarity will look like, what um you might need to do for other people. Because that is also so essential with um, the full spectrum of reproductive care. I mean, the full spectrum of life care. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> yeah, um, but I think so. 
that with the abortion aspect too, is that like you're, when you get the, um, if you're able to access the pills, you know, oftentimes they won't, if you go to a clinic, they won't give you pain medicine. Um, they won't do anything like that. They usually don't explain as much as they should either. And like, you have to be prepared to almost go through labor. Um, so you might like vomit, you might have diarrhea, which I guess I probably should have described what labor can be like a little bit more, but I, it's hard to like walk the line of like what's emergency necessary and what is like, oh, I'm teaching a childbirth class. So, yeah, well, I, I would say like, I think most people are. I don't want to say aware, but like we we've seen that, like, I don't think anyone is going to say like labor is like not a painful process. Um, I, I would say most people are going to recognize that it's like a very strenuous um, thing. Whereas I think abortion on the other hand, especially like first trimester abortion or something like that is very you much played off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, no, you're, you're right. That's true. I think that's a good point. I mean, I will say when I did, when I worked in the home birth community, people who have these ideologies, not everyone, but some to, with natural birth, they just, they have these thoughts like that you can like hack your way to it being, it's like, oh, if you breathe or if you meditate or if you whatever, it's not going to feel like uh, your body's being ripped in half. And it's like, no, it will, but that's, but then Slightly it's Slightly less. <laughs> and, right. And it's like a process. I don't know. It's a, like, anyway, but yeah, so with the abortion um, and that too, hemorrhage is something in that situation that can happen fast and it can happen um, it can, it can be more likely that an infection and you have to be really careful. I think it's also something that like, even if you think that you may want or need to be alone for it, um, please don't like have, like we are animals, like giving birth or going through something painful like this, something where there's probably grief you can't even really consciously access. It's, there's a lot going on. And I mean, like physiologically, but um you yeah you just we want to sometimes crawl into a dark cave or do something like that which you know i don't know like a that i guess these days would be like a bathroom but um but still have someone like on call even if they're in another room or like down the street have someone there because you know when you're ending a pregnancy even with the drugs that they use which are super effective it things just can go wrong so quickly and you won't it's not something you can contain or handle on your own um yeah um i i think again to go back to your example of like the left <laughs> like having a really hard time like wrestling with this idea of abortion like a lot of that is minimized in the in the the goal of um i guess giving trying to support women's autonomy uh right. erasing like the the very real risks and concerns and um struggles that that come with these processes right and i think it's also important to acknowledge with abortion so there's you know similarly with birth um if there's a like a climate disaster if there if something's going on where you can't get to the hospital if it's full of covid if it's shut down i don't know you you know you have to be prepared 
for those situations. Um, you also, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I was reading off of something. Uh, <laughs> oh, you also have to consider that, like, right now in Texas, like, you, and, and, this too can be the case for some home births or planned ones, um, or if they suspect it's unassisted, the state is getting involved in really like sinister and insidious ways with reproductive care. Not that they, they always have to be completely clear, like the right to parent and to raise children in this country is one that is just not, and has never been equal, but if you do for some reason need to go to the hospital for any of these situations, um, like a, an at-home abortion, if it's not like you need to say that you're having, you might need to say you're having a miscarriage. You might need to deny parts of your experience so that you don't get um, in trouble. The same then also goes with having, like I had one of my children at home and CYS, Children and Youth Services, got involved um, in, this was in PA, like at, they were doing a lot of um, midwifery investigation at the time. But anyway, like be prepared for scenarios like that, where if you're going to get help, you have to explain your situation in a, in a context. Way. Yeah. In a tactical way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, that's wild though in pennsylvania like i think we think of pennsylvania being like the northeast and at least a little bit more amazing dixon Lyman's pragmatic and i i get it like i've been out to like lancaster and like out towards the middle of nowhere york and uh yeah it, it's much different there it doesn't take long to get away from philadelphia to be like basically no. not in the oh, northeast anymore. no not at all <laughs> no oh no no it's it's a different world. Even the Lancaster Amish, they like they were considered like touristy Amish. They weren't like as old order as some of ours um who we worked with. Um but yeah. Um but So it so are there any other concerns with like uh abortion at home mm -hmm. outside of the the bleeding? Oh, so infection. And that is also something to look out for with birth as well. So you're going to want to monitor um, like there's and that's another thing to prepare for after both. Um, but with abortion, too, and they don't always explain this, especially with when you're not doing a dilation um, and cutterage, a DNC. Um, so a surgical abortion. Um, you're going to bleed. You're going to bleed um, for about four to six weeks after. Um, it'll be like a heavy period at first. It's going to be clotty. Um, but with infection um, and with, well, with both birth and abortion, you can get some um, tissue can be retained um, after either. And that can be really serious. You definitely need medical, would need medical attention for that. Um, but you'll be looking for like smell, like of the discharge, if it gets really bad, um, fever, um, chills, things like that. Four to six weeks. Yeah. It's, um, it's a long time to bleed, which is the other part is that, um, you know, nourishment, 
afterwards, after both birth and um, an abortion and hopefully before like trying to like take rest really, really seriously, monitor like what feels comfortable and right, um, eating as well as you can. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's one of it's something that like goes directly <laughs> in the face of like the world we live in. Like, no one can take that kind of time off for an abortion. Uh, you can't even no. bring it up at work. Never mind, take no. the time off for it. Oh um, no, well, no. Yeah. And depending what kind of jobs you work, there are people who are going back to work like two to four weeks after having babies. I mean, it's 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 devastating. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, so bleeding and infection uh, mm -hmm. are probably the two biggest concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else that people should be aware of? With abortion? Uh, yeah. Um, those are the two biggest ones. And, and I think, oh, so one of my favorite, like, they, I think they call this like nurses opium or something. Um, my favorite one of the uh, pain relief tools that we would use um, in midwifery for after birth, after a miscarriage um, with the, with abortions, because like I said, there, if you're getting this from a clinic or if you're getting it in the mail, um, the pills, you're not going to be like more than likely you are not going to be given anything other than extra strength Tylenol. So for pain, um, Okay, okay, this is the nurse's opium. So you take um, three extra strength Tylenols and three ibuprofens at once and then alternate them according to um, what the appropriate like dosage spacing is. I think it's like every four to six hours for the acetaminophen. Um, sorry, I use the name brand. Oh, yeah, acetaminophen or Tylenol um, ibuprofen. Um, <clears throat> I did write that down. Um, yeah, that's something it, I used to have to do with my kids um, when they had fevers. Double dose and, them. Yeah, double dose mm -hmm. them and rotate. Well, it is. And it's important to know this too. Like if you are, if you've struggled with opioid addiction or anything like that, and you're uncomfortable taking that for pain, like we call this the remedy in our house. And we do it for the kids sometimes too. We do it for the kids too. Um, but yeah. Um, it's 500 milligrams of acetaminophen and 600 milligrams of IB. Oh, but yeah, it, it works as well as narcotic pain relief, um, without the addictive aspects of it. Sorry. Wanted to say that. Anyway, 500 milligrams of acetaminophen and 600 milligrams of ibuprofen at once, and then alternating the doses of the 600 ibuprofen every four hours and three to five milligrams of acetaminophen every six to eight. Um, so you can, and you can adjust that lower, but do not, oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I'm the, um, in the U S um, yeah, but don't exceed the, you can, yeah, adjust the dosage lower, but don't exceed that. Um, heating pads, calming smells, TV shows, like music you like, if you have power, if you can do that, but dim lights, Weed and CBD, if you do that. Um, showers, you can't do baths um, because that can increase infection risk. Um, you know, those all provide really good pain relief. You'll want to do like light snacks. 
Um, the big thing with hemorrhage, and this is the case for both um, abortion, miscarriage, birth, um, hemorrhage can sometimes be caused by a bladder that's too full. So um, make sure you're drinking a lot and peeing a lot, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, I'm not an essential oil person, but this is a good trick. If, um, if you need to pee, um, you can either put um, peppermint essential oil drops in the toilet if you're able to sit on that or on a warm compress and like press it over the urethra and that can help um, you pee, but that is something that's important. Make sure you're peeing and drinking and eating and if you're able to. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess like, I, I, I want to know your thoughts as somebody that's worked around this. Uh, you know, I, when I had reached out to you about this, cause I knew that we talked in the past that you'd been doing this, uh, in your previous life. Um, <laughs> what, I guess kind of what we're talking about before, like how, how important do you think this is going to be in the future? And like, what, what are next steps for people that are like, holy shit, I never really thought about this. I want to, yeah. I, I need to get more involved. Like what, what can they do? Um, well, one, I think that'd be really cool. Um, because I, I do, I, I think that it's going, I think renegade medicine in general, which is how I saw midwifery, um, renegade medicine in general is going to need to be happening more. And I think for safety reasons, for accessibility reasons, it's probably something that, um, yeah, we should have been maybe better equipped with, but should have, I guess, is the case with a lot of things. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really important. Um, to learn more, there are a ton of like really good um, midwifery and like doula resources. Um, there are like there uh, on Instagram, there's autonomous pelvic care. Um, some of the harm reductive groups are pairing with like doula and midwifery organizations. I know Eastern harm reduction. I think they're in Knoxville. They're in Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee harm reduction. They're pairing with the Knoxville doulas. They have good information. Um, there are some like indigenous midwives. I think there's one, I think she's Maya Dula. She's um, I think an indigenous Mexican um midwife and doula who provides a lot of really good like herbal information, way better because like I said, I I was trained to use herbs, but I'd never be comfortable speaking on it as much. Um I know more about like the pharmaceuticals that you would keep on hand in emergencies. So those are important things I think to look up. Um, getting like manuals and pamphlets, I think is important. I've been trying to think a lot about ways that we kind of like can gain skills and knowledge in a gorilla type of way. Like we don't need to be, certified and credentialed and like accountable to the state and all these ways to have these skills and be really like prepare have a certain like ownership over them um in our yeah. own right 
Um, yeah, I think uh, something like a, a Skillshare would be great. Like a, yeah. maybe like a yeah, YouTuber or a Twitch one. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Right. And if other people know, I mean, that's the thing. I haven't had as much success, like finding where like these kind of like street medic harm reduction groups are coinciding with more of the reproductive spectrum. And it feels really crucial right now. I might just not be looking though in the right places. And so if other people do, I can also give you I can like look and give you the information later at some point. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you're right. I think there, I mean, just from the fact, like looking at um, the response that I had uh, when I posted this on our, on the Reddit channel, um, the red prepper Reddit channel. Mm. Um, you know, I, I usually post the, the streams that we're doing on Skillshare and usually they get like 10, 20 likes. This one had like 65 likes. And I was like, everyone recognizes that this is something that we don't have birth uh, is really not... cool too i mean i i have to say it's i didn't cool. think so but you don't have no experience like you've given birth. although i'm sure like i think red my other i like this is a project i do with my partner but i think he's dealing with one of the aforementioned kids but like he maybe he would have a different story about birth but it's like i think i don't know i think to be able to like sit at someone's feet as they're giving birth is I, it was for everything I've done. It's probably been like the absolute greatest honor of my life. And I, I don't know. And I've been, I've sat with people through, I've diagnosed a stillbirth. I've sat with people through, you know, just everything about life. And I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's very affirmative and it's very, um, <laughs> you know and it's gross and it's weird and i don't know and it's it's like sexual it's a lot of different things i think it's i guess that's where i start to get kind of hippie with it but it it's i don't know like it's yeah. very primal i think it, 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 is primal. it, it like it is speaks primal. to like this really like uh animal part of our humanity that we there's no way to really erase it um no. even like even in a medical setting it's still like graphic it's true well and it's so funny too because like you know, like little old women, you know, who, you know, before they were knocking people out before births, a lot of times most of their memory would be gone. And still what they could speak of was their experiences with birth and with, um, you know, yeah, raising their children, especially as babies. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting because I think we, I think we fail to examine the like capitalist, the really internalized capitalist aspect of, and certainly white supremacist, of like our rejection of parenting, why abortion is so fraught to begin with, um, why the like best narrative we can come up with around it is like, well, I can't have this child, I have to work. Like, and that's like the acceptable sterilized version of it when really more often it's like, I can't afford this baby, I might not be able to feed this baby. You know, it's like, you know, it's devastating. And yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously capitalism has uh, rendered parenting as something exclusive to people who are either fairly well off or people that uh, have basically 
accepted uh, the fact that they're never going to move up from their their place, their status, uh, because it's mm -hmm. basically impossible uh, mm -hmm. between the cost of daycare and like the time it takes to wait, work your way up in a company or something like that. Right. Um, and then again, I want I feel like we should talk about this just a little bit and then I can oh. I'll let you go. Mm -hmm. um, but like you had brought up this idea, like the left has like a really hard time like talking about like abortion, mm -hmm. but also like the left has a hard time talking about parenting. Um, oh, I don't know which is harder. I mean, <laughs> they talk about abortion, but in, I won't say the wrong ways. I say ways that lack a lot of footing in reality and nuance, but, and then, but parenting, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is probably the one area that, uh, whenever I talk to people and they're like, you're a dad, you have like multiple kids. I'm like, yeah, oh, I, I do. Um, and, and it's, it's a weird subject because it's like, well, you, not only are you like, you know, you don't want to feed, feed the machine, so to speak, in terms of like providing labor, but also like, especially me, like you're always talking about collapse. Why would you bring children into this world? And like, there's a, a weird defense that comes with like the territory of justifying having children. No, you're so right. That is like an excellent point. And it's funny because, so one of my, I really don't like sounding like an academic asshole, but one of my theses was on um, uh, like abortion, like middle-class ideologies that are imposed on like life trajectories and how it affects like motherhood for people who are like poor and working class. And it's like, like a lot of people know they're never going to call it like these things are never going to work out for them. They're, the dream is not there. And one of the most like affirmative experiences of their lives and definitive of adulthood in a lot of ways is having children. And I think, you know, people don't want to discuss that. Um, yeah, there's that, but then there's also, Oh, I might've forgot my other point, but um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because especially I think our generation and I'm going to I think you're about my age. Uh, mm. We're millennials, right? Yeah. Um, so I think our generation was so infantilized by our parents because our parents oh. never really grew up. Uh, so like rejection of that, uh, that youth in some capacity, I think is really uh, significant. Oh, for yeah. No, you're uh, totally right. Well, it's because I did. I had my first I had been doing like leftist shit since I was like I've only been a mother and been doing left stuff like and I like those are the two longest things in my life like I you know I had my first when I was 16 they are now 16 <laughs> um so it's like I don't know and, and there was like always walking like a weird line like I'm here and I'm in these spaces but oh, I have kids. And there are some people who were very, you know, who can be very comfortable about that. And others who it's like, how could you ever, do, like, why, like, how could you ever do that? But, oh, but that's, but then that's goes to my other point. I have friends who are asking me now, like people who have struggled a lot with fertility and are pregnant now, people who, you know, have wanted to have children for a long time. And they ask me a lot and I'm sure they, maybe they ask you a lot too. You know, they're like, should I have done this? Should I even be doing this? And it's like, what else are we going to have? It's like, you've wanted this for so long. And it's like, there is no life certainty. Like, 
please enjoy this. Like, please truly like live this experience because it is probably at this point, like one of the most human ones we can have. And, and in some ways, like know. the only one we can do that's like free, technically speaking. Technically speaking. Yeah, technically. Yeah. No, it's true. It is. It's free. Babies really don't need that much. And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm certainly not like a, what would you call? I'm not like a, like, I think a natalist at all. Um, but I also think that the, our relationship to, and you guys, I think talk brilliantly about this, our relationship to what is important and worthwhile, um, amidst the anxiety and the fear and like fashion, all of these things, it's like, you know, admits all of that. It's like, what are the things that we can, I don't know, kind of use to, I don't know, to, well, to enjoy we're in a life where there's so little of that at this point. And also to, I don't know, maybe move forward. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes back to something you brought up earlier about like this idea of why are we doing all this stuff if not for future generations to um, improve right. upon or enjoy? And like those generations need to come from somewhere. Conversely, um, the idea that because we're poor, working class, whatever, that we shouldn't have kids uh, because of our politics is oh, also like really complicated and problematic uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's this very classist element to it. Oh, classist. Um, so racist. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's just, it, it's really messy and um, it's okay to engage with those conversations. I think it's important it to engage with them because otherwise you end up in that same space. Like we were talking about abortion mm -hmm. where the, the conversation is just yes, yes, yes. And there's no like dialogue about like, let's actually talk about this subject matter. And, right. and that's continuous across, not just like abortion, but like most intersectional intersectionality where, uh, the left is so uncomfortable talking about things like race oh, and identity. Um, but we don't, we, we do the opposite. We, we project so much about like, we support, we support, we support like this big capital W and, yeah. um, and then don't, but then like, we don't, we don't examine those critical nuances of like, no. okay, <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. No, no, I'm just, you're, you're so right. And I think there's a lot of like prescriptive, I think people don't realize like how in the same breath they can be like, we can't be cops to other people. And then we will be like, parents, don't you realize like what awful like fascists you are sending your kids to be indoctrinated at uh, public schools. And it's just like, who's starting the childcare collective with me? Cause I'm ready. Or, Oh wait, I'm sorry. You think kids are gross and disgusting and lame. Like, cool. <laughs> like they, like if you, like there are lots of like, I don't know, serious complications with, our abilities to be radically empathetic, to really grapple with what mutual aid would look like, what alternatives to, you know, capitalist systems would be, what it means, like, what is, like, more of mutual aid and, like, what is more, like, in solidarity than helping people, like, through, like, experiences like abortion, birth, parenthood death loss illness grief like that's like the point of like the most like i guess like yeah sinister tool of capitalism is how much it's alienated and isolated us from one another to the point that we're like 
can almost be like eco-fascists on the left about um about purity uh, yeah and like the thing i love to say and i literally said this last night so if people are watching from last night then i'm sorry you're gonna have to hear it again um is like this idea that like as an anarchist part of my belief in anarchy is that like not everyone should be an anarchist we should not all agree in lockstep about everything that's part of like being human that we right. don't agree on things and that's mm -hmm. okay that doesn't make somebody a bad person or even an incorrect person mm -hmm. and like it, it, what's buried in that conversation is that there's an objective right or an objective truth and like we believe what we believe but like right, the binaries yeah. yeah yeah like just because i believe that i'm right about ecology and anarchy and all these things uh, th there's no way to ever know that mm -hmm. that is right just any more than like yeah. it, somebody could ever say in objective terms that having children yeah. is bad no. um, mm -hmm. and that that's where i the left and the internet i think just like creates this like disgusting like echo chamber that just like eats itself over subtle nothingness and it just mm -hmm. drives me crazy i know i think you guys are actually like some of the absolute best at talking about this i think i just um, try to anger as many people as possible that's usually my goal <laughs> god um yeah I'm, I'm i'm a natural like instigator so um yeah, yeah it, it just it just you know it's one of those things that just bothers me a lot because it's like you know we have these like two very distinct points that the left tries to make you know this idea of like the workers of the world unite and also you're getting canceled for using the term like slave instead of like person exactly. enslaved or you know mm -hmm. something like that where it's like how how do you bridge these two totally diametric positions see that's so funny because the one thing that makes me want to not completely drop out of uh like school and continuing to do therapy and stuff is that I believe we need to be like so desperately rid of that internalized capitalism like that we we don't even see it on the left and we point out fucking everything except for the real thing is that it's like we we're so like we cannot get around the binaries like you said we cannot get around this need to be hawkish with other people like we and and this idea that things can ever be like objective that like your experience is the experience like you said like you'll you you are an expert on some things but it's like we also only know like what we know what we have access to what we um have lived through who we know um where we live like so many things it's like everything is contained to that like there's just i don't know there there are experts in many fields that like completely disagree with each other and that doesn't invalidate either you know any no. of those people because they disagree on things because like shit's complicated so <laughs> like, that's complicated. what it comes down to no and, like, so complicated people are complicated shit's co it's just so complex and we we actually don't need to know about it like why like i wish we had more imagination it's like it's sad it's like yeah uh, i was 
I was watching this show and I won't name it because I don't want to ruin it if someone's watching it. And at the end of it, they uh, the the travelers end up in North America and um, they meet with the indigenous people and like the the presentation of the way the indigenous people live is completely different than the world that they had come from. And in that process, they're thinking about like, okay, like let's replicate what we where we came from. And one of the people that had come with them was like, well, if we just replicate the thing that we came from, we're going to end up leaving again because of the same reasons. And like this idea of like thinking outside of that scope of the the way you think things should be in that like, just because you haven't experienced things before that you don't have, or that maybe it's impossible or that. That um, it exists, right. Yeah. This absolute like necessity for proof of everything while also really not having a lot of trust or faith in any of the proof that you are given. And I think necessarily so, but it's like, yeah, it just, I, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we kind of got off topic a little bit on abortion and birth care. But uh, I think it's all really important and part of the conversation about kind of how all this stuff ties into the left and the fact that, like I said, that so many people recognize that there's this gap. Um, and we could talk further about the fact you brought up like street medics, um, yeah. that there are challenges with street mm -hmm. medic because of the fact that they're usually underqualified for some of the things they try to do. And like, again, to talk about what we were just talking about, this illusion of like objective truth and knowledge that mm -hmm. somehow we have, because we can't be bad, we have to be good and perfect. Therefore, <laughs> like we are fully capable of doing things we're not capable of. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that there's a whole subject matter we could talk about around that part of uh human care let's call it uh but i think yeah. we should i think we should probably wrap it up otherwise uh, i don't want to keep you here all night sure. uh, i know you've got kids so <laughs> the few hours without them are pretty important there there <laughs> that's what i'm saying especially in the world of covid like, if i can find some like really good like anarchist babies that like let's or other anarchist parent like please guys it's like you can move like, just come out this now. way it's a couple thousand like, miles yeah. or start the or, commune those are your options exactly well but i think okay if i could just i think that's what's important though like back to the street medic stuff like that being in like aware of your community like get to know the local midwives and birth workers get in solidarity with them have their number like have learned from them um there are in a lot of bigger cities um you know there are it, it can be easier to find a lot more people but still um in rural areas there are a lot of them there are a lot of like black and indigenous women who have we like have the birth knowledge that we have in this country like the the like solid time you know the time uh that can stand the test of time like we everything we have is because of them and there are a lot of you know because midwifery training is so can be so prohibitive in a lot of ways like that's a great place to put like you know um money if you want to help people or like i don't know to just work on like organizing trainings on that kind of stuff for people to do that um for um you know to support those areas and those people but to be in community with them i think uh 
would be a smart move. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I think that also boils down to the fact that, like you just said, most cities, uh, meaning alternatively, that um, per capita, there are not many uh, people with these skills. And mm -hmm. that means that not only are they in demand because of the fact that, like we were just saying, literally 40% of the people around you will give birth at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, but also like that you're, you have to work within the confines of the community you live within, not in an idyllic, you know, left uh -huh. only an eco anarchist only commune or whatever, like that's not going to happen. Uh, so alternatively, we need to oh, make no. the conditions where we live work. Uh, unless you've got a bunch of money and you're going to buy a bunch of land and fly me out. So <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> barring that, uh, we will have to live within the confines of uh, the, the communities where we exist. And that means working with a lot of people we don't agree with on a lot of things. Uh, and Which building is those true. Yeah. Right. Right. Some of the midwives are going to be like in rural areas. They're going to be a lot more religious. But I, I don't know. Yeah. And that might be uncomfortable. Um, but keep in mind, they know, like, they know how to stitch, to do stitches. They know how to, um, you know, stop hemorrhages. They know, they know a lot about healthcare. Like I said, a lot of times midwives were the care providers in communities. Um, so it is, you know, I think it is a little more full spectrum in there. Yeah. It's smart to bridge any gaps that are necessary because they have a lot they can bring a lot to the table. Yeah, we need the knowledge. We need it. Uh, so Liz, um, thank you so much. I also want to give you like two minutes to mm -hmm. tell us about Listen Left a little bit and where people can support you guys. Sure. Should I, would it be annoying if I got read? Actually, he might say no. <laughs> if I got read to be like, he's better at explaining it. But anyway, okay. Listen Left is a project. We've been running it for about a year and a half. Um, it's an... It's a free, accessible um, audio library, accessible to a lot of needs. Um, we, you know, like for it to be more, but anyway, free, accessible audio library of revolutionary, um, radical, leftist, post-left um, texts. And we're always growing it. Um, so, yeah, um, we are most active on Instagram. So it's just at listen left. Um, we have a website, listenleft.org. Um, we also have a Patreon. Um, we, you know, so if you want to support us there, you can. We send books to prisoners and we do, um, you know, mutual aid donations every month, even though the project runs on a really big deficit. But it doesn't matter. I don't know. We felt like it was something that's really crucial for people to have access to. So hopefully you can take the theory, it can be accessible to as many people as possible and you can go and then do praxis and um, do cool shit. Cool shit. So much cool uh, shit. And you guys have a Venmo, right? We do. Yeah, listen left. Yeah, it's so, all just listen left. <laughs> yeah, so if people want to throw a couple bucks your way, they can do it on Venmo too. You can, yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. um, or Patreon. Highly recommend it. You guys are doing great work. Thank you. We hope to you guys more we yeah yeah um it's you guys are running a commercial on one of our episodes soon which i'm super excited about We're excited too. <laughs> so um uh, i'm i'm happy to see you guys doing cool stuff and happy to chat with you 
Well, we're happy to be like in solidarity and community with you. We kind of started at the same time, it seems. So it's good to be like, yeah, happy to yeah. be your comrades. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hold on to the anarchist commune or like commune dream. Listen, I don't you know. You set it you up know, and I'll be there, like, but. You would go fund me for that. These crazy truckers in Canada got 10 million together. Like surely <laughs> some of us can do something. <laughs> it would be cool. It'd be but... cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, thank you. So I'm going to kick you off and cool. I'm going to say my goodbyes. All right. Thanks. So, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that. I sure did. Um, so, thank you so much for tuning in, especially folks that stayed the whole time. If you guys care about what we're doing and or if you're not familiar with what we're doing and you just happen to tune in, go check out our podcast, which you can find anywhere. Poor Pearls Almanac. You can also find us on Instagram. Again, at Poor Pearls Almanac, we release episodes early to our Patreons. You can go listen for as little as $2 a month, seven cents a day. Gives you early access, costs about like, I think I did the numbers once and it was like a cent and a half an hour of content basically is what that costs you. Um, so it, it's definitely worth it. Plus it helps support stuff like this channel. Um, what else do we do? We also have some YouTube video content up as well on how to's. And we're going to continue doing more of these uh, Twitch prepper skill shares. We have a AMA coming up on Monday night, Sunday night, one of those. Uh, so you should definitely tune in for that. Apparently now we can do subs. So I don't know what that means other than being a sandwich, but I think it means you can subscribe and it, you can kick a couple bucks to Twitch and uh, we get a good chunk of that. So if you guys enjoy it, you want to sub, uh, sub to it, I guess is the term please do. Uh, it helps us, gets us more attention, more money to continue doing this stuff and just paying our bills and feeling like people care what we're doing. So until next time, guys, my name is Andy, and this is the Poor Proles Almanac.